You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. And we are joined on the line by gender activist and CEO of the Seoul City Institute for Social Justice, Pina Kodisang. Pina, thank you so, so much uh, for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rilebokile, and good afternoon to everyone. So for, for us to even be brought to a place where we're having this conversation is... You know, we were uh, talking, I can't remember what we're talking about, but I do recall some people saying, yeah, feminists hate men. Feminists want men to go down. I was like, is that really what feminism is? Because that's not what my understanding of feminism is. And I think with so many conversations on social media, we have a lot of warped ideas about what feminism is. So I thought it was so important that we engage in this conversation. So Pina, get us started. What is feminism? Uh, feminism is a lot of things, but it is definitely not a hate of men. If anything, if one if one was to you know if one were to put it in simple terms, it's, feminism is about acknowledging women's lived experiences. And maybe we need to to set the context for why we need to acknowledge women's lived experiences and why then feminism becomes an important ideological tool that we need to use to look at that. So in South Africa and the world uh, uh, globally, women are the most oppressed. You know, um, women suffer the most of the social ills. You look at gender-based violence, it's women who, you know, bear the brand. You look at poverty, it's women who bear the brand of poverty. In South Africa, we know that homes, up to 60 or 70% of homes in South Africa are led by women. And we know that unemployment mostly affects women. So if you look at that view of where women are placed in, in opposition to men, you realize that we need to create an equal society. We need to make sure that we equalize sexes. We create equal opportunities for men and women. And that's what fe- feminism and feminist principles are about. You know, it is an opposition to the system that exists, the patriarchal system that exists, you know, that favors men over women, that mm. gives priority and privilege to men and ignores women. And therefore, men need to separate themselves from the patriarchal system. When we oppose the patriarchal system, we're not opposing men. We are opposing a system that gives men privileges and gives men undue power. Mm. Over women. Mm. So, in essence, um, it is more about equal equal rights. And at some point um, within the buildup of this movement, it was about equal pay. So there yeah. is no part of this conversation that you know, which just to reiterate, is about anti men um, because there there is this belief that it is about anti men because there are men who do believe in equal rights and equal pay, but don't identify themselves as feminists, even though that's technically what a feminist is. Yeah. And, and maybe let's also interrogate why feminism will threaten men. You know, um, the reason men are threatened and the reason they are pushing back on feminism is because they know they have the privileges, they have the rights, they are given priority over women, their rights are more acknowledged mm. than women's rights. So anything that seeks 
to oppose that privilege and to challenge that power would look as if it's, it's an attack on men, yet it's not an attack on men. So we have men who are allies, you know, men who believe in feminist principles and believe in inclusion, in equity, you know, in doing things the same for everyone, because it's also about equalizing and being fair to everyone, both men and women. It's not saying when we prioritize women because previously they were disadvantaged, we are then neglecting men. Mm. It's about saying let's create equal opportunity for everyone. It's about inclusion, building a collective uh, consciousness, progressive realization of everyone's human rights. Because right now, let us admit, women's rights are a bit neglected in Mm. this country. What do we say to the people who will say, why is there even an agenda chasing equality between men and women? Because men and women will never be the same. So they are not equal. We are not the same. That is right, because our makeup is different, different genitalia, but we are all human. You know, and there is a constitution is based on human rights. It doesn't say men's rights, women's rights. It's human rights. So if we understand that we are all human and therefore all of us deserve the opportunities that are given to the other sexes, then we need to shift, move away from a system that says only this sex deserves, uh, you know, employment. Only this sex deserves this kind of employment. Only this sex can be given more money than the other. We need to get to a point where we realize that patriarchy itself is is unfair to both men and women as well. The the men who are unemployed in this country feel as neglected as women feel because then they are measured against a standard that says to them, you are not men enough because you can provide. Mm. You know, that's a system of exclusion and oppression. So within that system, men are treated differently based on their uh, economic status, Mm. based on where they find themselves in the, um, you know, in the equilibrium. So that kind of a system is not a system that we should promote. A patriarchal system is a system that we should all dismantle and we should all actually work towards uprooting because of how it treats us as human beings and how it creates unnecessary conflict between people. So let's talk about feminism in the context of South Africa and when the movement started to pick up. um, I mean, we are fortunate that we have a beautiful constitution. However, in practice, it might not be reflected. The reality of, of lived experiences might not be reflecting what is out in the Constitution. Can we just briefly touch on the history of the feminist movement in South Africa and where it sort of stands today in relation to what it's trying to achieve? So before 1994, you know, uh, there was a movement um, and I, I, that movement was mainly concerned with the rights of white women, mm. you know, uh, fighting to also get equal pay, uh, be mainstreamed in jobs that were previously considered to be jobs for men, and the right to vote. So in that space, while it was acknowledging the rights of women, it was only acknowledging the rights of white, white women. 
And that's where we talk about intersectionality now, you know, where we look at different oppressions and how they intersect with one another. So women are not a homogeneous group, in, even right now, right? Even uh, before we go back to history, you look at a black woman and a, a white woman. You look at a um, heterosexual woman and a, a member of the LGBTI. Mm. They are not treated the same. Their oppressions are different. And they intersect on the basis of gender, on the basis of race, on the basis of their religious beliefs, their socioeconomic status, their physical and mental ability, their ethnicity. So you find that within feminism, even as the revolution was happening, there were those who were still excluded and those who continue even now to be excluded. So throughout history, we see how when the movement began to fight for the rights of women, it was only for the rights of minority women, which is the white women. They mm. started enjoying their right to vote. They started enjoying their right to be mainstreamed in um, different jobs and mainstreamed economically. And black women were left behind. That is why we struggle even now as black women to catch up. Catching up to men is a big struggle that we are still struggling to catch up to where our white counterparts are, where white women are. And it's important that we, we, we acknowledge those differences because even when we fight for the rights of women, we are not fighting for the same uh, women. We are fighting for different women who are being oppressed in different sectors of their lives because of the many issues that I, I, I spoke about, the intersecting issues that of race, uh, geographic location, and all those things. So we need to understand that history, you know, failed women and continues to fail women, even with this beautiful constitution mm. that we, we speak about. I actually wrote an op-ed uh, where I was reflecting, uh, you know, 25 years of the constitution. And the conclusion I drew in that article is that the failure of the constitution to meet the needs of black women tells us that democracy has failed because with democracy, we were promised that all of us are going to be equal. All of us are going to enjoy the same freedom. But freedom is, is still a pipe dream for many black women. And I think it's so important that you touch on that because um, the white woman and the black man sort of fall into that category of being both oppressor and being oppressed. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a hierarchy. And again, we need to really acknowledge these things if we are to really move forward. We need to acknowledge that there is a hierarchy. There's a white man. So that patriarchy has an overall system. Mm. Within that system, you have a white man, a white woman, a black man, and a black woman at the bottom. Mm. And before you even get to the black woman, you put in the culture, religion, before you get to a woman. So the woman is further down, a black woman is further down in this hierarchy. Mm. And therefore, when you fight for the liberation of this woman, when you fight for the recognition of the rights of this woman, when you fight for inclusion for this woman, you do it with understanding that it can't be the same. We can't say it is for all women because white women are up there in the hierarchy. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so when we think about where we are right now as a country when it comes to feminism. You've already touched on gender-based violence, which 
I almost feel like was not even initially in the original agenda of what feminism is about. But now the feminist movement has to carry big, big burdens like gender-based violence, for example. What are some of the other things that have been put on the plate of feminism, whereas the initial objective of, of equal rights has not been addressed? So you put in the mix racism. Mm. You know, um, we still have a long way to go in acknowledging black women as equal citizens of this country. The fact that they are the most unemployed, the fact that most homes are run by black women, and poverty, there's a feminization of poverty. Black women bear the brand of poverty. Rural women are excluded in so many things. You know, because you go to some places in South Africa, network is still a problem. Mm. When we live in a very digitized world right now, where everything we do is online, everything we do requires that you have data, that you have free working network, you know. So there's still a lot of exclusion in as far as black women are concerned. So we carry the burden of poverty. We carry the burden of unemployment. We still carry the burden of doing home care work that is uh, not compensated. If you look at it, women are the ones who take care of children. Mm. They, they are not paid for that. It is a job to do homework when you are not a mess expert, but you are expected to understand your child's homework mm. and figure it out and help this child. You still have to spend, even if you come back from work, you know, you can be a CEO at Soul City, but you come back and you get home and you're expected to still provide a meal, mm. you know, for your children. You still are provide, uh, expected to make sure that the house is clean. We continue doing um, duties, you know, that are care-related outside of the, the normal work that we do. And nobody's compensating women for that. Mm. So this burden is huge. And that is why the ideology of making sure that we get, we get rid of these gendered roles. Uh, we get rid of these binary roles where we say a woman is this, a man is this, a woman is supposed to do this, and a man mm. can only do this. We need to really get rid of this um, socialization that we grow up in and we still continue to see, you know, where in some homes there's a preference for boy children. When a man gets a boy child, they, they celebrate the continuation of their lineage, you know, and the girl child is disregarded because, well, they'll get married, they'll go away, and therefore the, the investment made in the development of a girl child mm. in most homes is different from the investment that is being made in the boy child. They are treated like kings from a young age. Yeah. You see a little boy expecting you as a mother to pack up after them to clean up after them, mm. to, to stand up the whole day preparing a meal for them. The audacity like, and you have hands, go prepare your food. But society treats them as kings, and therefore there's an expectation even from little boys that as a woman, it's your duty, you mm. are supposed to do this. All right, we've got a caller on the line who's got a question. Boo in Pretoria, hi. Hey, good day, good day, how are you? Good, thanks, and you? I'm good, I'm good. I just have two statements and uh, questions for your guest. Number one, uh, when she says that men and women are equal and that men actually have more rights than women, mm-hmm. when was the last time she went to a child 
mentally sharing and saw exactly what happens in terms of how we're treated. Mm-hmm. That's the first part. The second part, I actually wanted to speak about toxic femininity. That's what we were talking about last year. Mm. I'm talking about, for example, things like chivalry. We're taught chivalry by our moms. You know, be kind to women. You know, let women go first. If she's picking up something heavy, help her. Not to show that she's weak, mm. but to show you that you see a need. That's what our mothers taught us, our mothers. Toxic femininity. I just want to hear from your guests. Mm. What does she have to say about those women who are angry, who are just everything that a man does? Like you know, that's just against everything. Mm. And the danger with that is those women are influencers. So can, can I ask you a question about the first thing you asked? Because I want us to give time to both of the questions that you asked, right, um, for our guest. So the first one that you asked is when you're saying that um, our guest is saying that women have fewer rights than men. So you're bringing it into the context of a maintenance court, right? And is that because you feel that there's a bias towards women or because there's a bias towards mothers? Um, big time is a bias for mothers and women because I've got friends and cousins who, man, they break their backs. I don't know everything that goes on in the relationship, but mm. then because he won't pay a certain amount or he'll only see his child when he walks out a certain No, I want to make the clear distinction of women versus mothers. So yeah, that, women, so that okay. No, 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 but you're speaking about maintenance court. So I'm saying, are you feeling there's a bias towards mothers in the maintenance court system or women in general, meaning anti granny, everybody? Okay, so it is about mothers. So let's do this. Let's give our guest an opportunity. Pena, uh, can you respond to the first question, which was Boo saying, how is it that men have more rights than women if you go into a maintenance court and there's bias towards mothers? Okay. So I did indicate that homes in South Africa up to 70% are run by single women or or single parents, Mm. right? And women are the most, because most men neglect that duty of being present fathers. Mm. So if we want to look at maintenance costs, it's because if we go back to the statistics that I was talking about, and this was released last year, November, October, November, by SSA, we know that 45% of women are uh, in, in employment as compared to 75% of men. That already tells you that you have men are more privileged in terms of accessing jobs than women. And it's only on the basis of women versus men. And that's, that's a fact that we can't dispute. In South Africa, while there, there is change, we still have a society that believes more in the rights of men than women. Mm. And because of uh, this care work that I spoke about, uh, mostly women who are in employment are in care jobs. So COVID, when it happened, it affected that sector, the Mm. care work sector. And so we saw a lot of women losing their jobs. Mm. So if if men want to argue about going to maintenance court, it should not even get to the point where we, we go to maintenance court because if you, re, if you acknowledge your duty as a parent and you have the resources, you know, to provide for your child, why should I even have to force your hand by taking you to a maintenance court? Why can't it be you 
volunteering without even involving the court to say, while I no longer want to be in a relationship with you, uh, mm. the woman. And, I, and I, think just to, to, I think just to add to that, Pina, the burden even with maintenance court still remains on women to have to take a man there. Mm-hmm. The burden still sits with women. It, it, it is a burden to have to go and take somebody to a maintenance court, if we're going to use that as an example. But I don't think it's a good example for the simple reason that, as you've already mentioned, women are, are the heads of many households and there are so many absent fathers. So the courts... Yes. Because the mother is the one who has birthed the child, I mean, it is very unlikely, and this is a worldwide phenomenon, where a child will be taken away from the mother that birthed them to be given to their father. There are so many reasons, and that would need a whole other conversation altogether as to why that is the case. But let's move yeah. on to Zbu's second uh, point that uh, he, was, he was asking about. Remind me of the question he asked. And it it just went out of my mind as well. But I will remember and come back to it. Um, But the main thing that I think Sbu was saying is the the, the issue of uh, uh, saying that men have more rights versus women, which he feels is not the case. I will remember just now what it was that Sbu was uh, uh, trying to bring up. Let's go to Seth in Midrand. Hi, Seth. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. And you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I have a f- well, two questions for your guest. The first one, or rather it's a statement. In society, I believe people generally have an equal opportunity to do whatever they want, be it women, men, black or white, or any other race. So we have an equal opportunity. However, the outcome will never be equal. So whenever she's saying that men have more rights than women, I do not have any clear understanding what she means by that because I don't think there's any law to say that says this only applies to men and this only applies to women. We are all equal before the law. However, the outcome will never be equal because at the end of the day, you have things like judges. Judges have to be persuaded to talk about such a narrative and they make the judgment call. So the outcome will never be equal, even though the opportunity is equal, which also applies to the law, which is one. If maybe she can clarify. Can uh, I just ask you a question with regards to rights, right? Is your understanding of rights, because we live in a country where the Constitution speaks that men and women are equal. So is your understanding of rights only related to the law, or do you understand rights as in the man has a right to X, Y, and Z, where society will believe a man has a right to sleep with his wife, whether she wants to or not, because he paid lobola. So there are, there are rights in different contexts, if you understand what I'm trying to say. There are, there are rights in the context of the law. We are yes. equal before the law. Yes. And there are rights which are socially conditioned by human at large. So can you so, acknowledge that, that maybe the reference that she's making is with regards to the rights that happen in reality, which are men will more likely have a right to a higher pay because history has dictated it so, uh, to be so? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. My issue, for example, with the higher pay, men are more likely to go into STEM field, which is your science, your mathematics and so forth. Men are more likely to work dangerous jobs. Men are more likely to work longer hours. Men are more likely to work outside. Mm-hmm. Those jobs tend to be paying a higher wage in comparison to a woman who tends to go into nursing, teaching. No, let, let's not time. compare different professions. Let's keep it equal playing field. No, 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 it's not different professions, but there are a lot of factors that have to come mm. into play. We cannot just say men are any more because they are men. 
you have to consider all the variable mm-hmm. factors why they're paid more. No one is paid more because of their gender. Mm-hmm. It has never been like that. But but here's so, the difference. Can I just intervene? That the difference is sure. men may not be paid more because of their their gender, but women are paid less because of their gender. No. Do you do you see the, pr- the 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 privilege that I'm talking about? Is that is that women will get paid less because of their gender? Okay, let's let's do it like this. For example, women and are P- uh, Pina, please feel yes. free to intervene at any point uh, in the conversation. Sure. Okay, so let let him finish, then I will come in. Okay. Okay, so let me do this. Uh, Seth and Pina, I'm going to pause you. I completely got distracted with time there because I'm so absorbed in this conversation on feminism and I see all of your calls and your WhatsApps coming. 702 Masterclass. All right, we're continuing our masterclass in feminism, and we're speaking to Pina Kodisang, who is gender activist and CEO of the Seoul City Institute for Social Justice. So before we went to the headlines, we had Seth. Seth, you were just finishing up your point, and uh, Pina will uh, get in to answer you. Sure. So um, my first point was saying, basically, um, whether it's a man or a woman, we all have the equality of any opportunity in this country, and by the law, we also have the same equal opportunity there. Whether it's social conditioning, that's a different topic altogether because women also have an upper hand if you look at certain factors. Men have an upper hand if you look at other factors. Mm. So we can have that discussion separately. But according to the law, we're all equal. The outcome might be different. This also applies economically. Um, we all have an equal opportunity. I've never seen a job where they say only women can apply. We all have that opportunity to apply. However, the outcome might be different in terms of a business owner who runs an engineering company might be biased towards men because men tend to be physically stronger and so forth and so forth. There are variable factors to consider. My second point is, in terms of men and women, well, the boy child and the girl child, today society and even government itself is conditioning women to go more into STEM fields and all power to women. It's a good thing. However, we neglect the consequences of such, whereby... If women tend to go into STEM fields, they're more likely to focus more on their career and therefore not focus on having a family, which is fine. It's their decision to make. However, they must be accountable to say, since I don't want a family, I will go and be a career woman. Fine. However, oh, wait, accountable to who? Accountable to themselves. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they must not come back at a later stage when they hit, they call it the war society, whereby they're at a later stage whereby their biological clock is running out. They're coming back now, they want to have kids, and they tend to have kids with men who are not willing to be in a long-term relationship with them. Therefore, it leads to a situation whereby the man leaves and they're neglected. They become single mothers, goes down to maintenance court, goes down to the statistics of having single um, parenthood uh, uh, households in this country. Which is I don't high. know how you got here right. from, from girl children being encouraged to go into STEM. No, no, no. STEM. I'm, I'm fast-forwarding it to... 10, 15, 20 years later. Okay. That's how it's going to happen. It's unfortunate that women cannot have, in most cases, and I stand to be corrected, but I believe women cannot focus on career and family at the same time. And that's exactly, that's exactly what this conversation is about, is that the equality means that men are not going to be treated differently because they want to be a family person. If anything, businesses and companies are biased to men on their stability. Men don't have to carry a child for nine months. So you do acknowledge that there are biases. So you acknowledge there are biases towards women. If we can say there are biases towards women because of 
the biology, the biology that was created by our creator, then so be it. Yes. Okay, so let's 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 give reality. Let's give Pina an opportunity. Pina, um, a lot of things have been said. What would you like to respond there? So, in my response, I think I said it earlier. When we fight a system called patriarchy because of the benefits it affords men, we are not fighting men. And it should be very clear, and from both speakers that spoke, who happen to be men, it's very clear that this is threatening to men. The fact that women are fighting to be recognized and given the same opportunity, the same platform, remove the biases that they both acknowledge are there. You know, we, we, we get to a point where we see that men feel so threatened that they will do anything and everything to stop. They need to interrogate what true empowerment means, what true freedom means, and they will see that it is not the same for everyone. Yes, the law can say we are all equal. But let's look at reality and how that is applied. It's different. It's completely different. It's sexist in approach because as a woman, you you are told you can't do certain things. You can't carry this heavy box because you are a woman, you know. But we we don't have restrictions on men. We, we, We never really bring out the restrictions on men. And that's a privilege that men need to acknowledge that it is there. They are preferred uh, in most jobs. And, and we are asking as women, can we just equalize? Can we acknowledge that all of us should be given an equal opportunity? I normally use the example of Bafana Bafana and Banyana Banyana for the simple reason that both of them are playing soccer. The rules are the same. You know, it's 11 players on both sides. But look at the pay gap between Banyana Banyana and Bafana Bafana. Why? Mm. Why are they paid differently? Why can't they be, if it's five rent to kick a ball, why can't both get five rent? Mm-hmm. All right, we've got another caller. We've got Gea in four ways. Hi, Gea. Hi, Lebokila. How are you? Well, good, thanks. And you? I'm okay. I hope you can hear me. I'm driving. Yes, um, we can hear you fine. One, but, um, I just, I, I felt so strongly about <laughs> what your caller mentioned um, in terms of gender pay parity. And I honestly couldn't understand how he couldn't get the context of comparing industry per industry. And I also wanted to give him references for some of the industries that I'm speaking about. Like, for instance, he was he was giving examples of men are more inclined to go into STEM industries and blah, blah, blah. But in those particular industries, and I'm speaking about my personal uh, experience, um, I'm from the engineering industry, and there's huge pay gap, uh, 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 pay gap that, that, that's there, that still exists. And um, several institutions have done studies um, on this, and they've, and they've conducted surveys, and I can reference some of them, one of them being done by a consulting engineer South Africa, and that's just one industry. There's several other industries where the pay gap is huge, and until we start acknowledging that this exists, we're going we're gonna to continue living in this bubble that we are equal, when, when in essence we really aren't, and those are some of the things that need to be addressed and, and need to be spoken about. So I really appreciate your topic. Um, on that, but I honestly felt strongly at how he doesn't know to this day that men are so highly paid uh, over women, particularly mm. in uh, previously uh, male-dominated industries. Mm. But uh, but even if you look at the JSC-listed companies, how many female yeah. CEOs are there, and what are exactly. their pay in relation to the male CEOs? 
So people feel like women are getting all these opportunities because there is a huge energy towards the girl child at the moment. But this is recent and it still hasn't balanced out where we are. Gia and Fourways, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Pina, what are your thoughts on Gia's call? I think Gia is right. And, and, you know, while men can argue that it's not on the basis of whether you are a man or a woman that you are paid differently, that is a fact. We can't dispute that fact. In actual fact, the Fortune 500 CEOs, um, you know, the list tells you that it's only 4.9% of women who are in those positions of power. The rest is men. So whether we acknowledge it or not, that is the reality. And we need to move and get to a part where we stop denying the fact that we have a system called patriarchy, and this system continues to favor men over women. You go to religion, you go to culture, you go to any, you, to any sector. Men are privileged. Men are given more rights than women, even though the law says all equal. It's mm. on book. Black and white is written, but in reality, something very different. You know, and hence I said it's about acknowledging women's lived experiences. Our lived experiences as women is that we face oppression every day on the basis of being women. Mm, mm, mm. There's a WhatsApp that says, why are men not told to choose between being working and being a father? And I think this just speaks to the conversation that we're having earlier where I asked the caller that there is a bias where at some point women are expected to choose, but men are never expected uh, to choose. Another WhatsApp says, why is women more in modeling than men? <laughs> You know, that question can even be asked about the sex working industry or adult entertainment. That Those could yeah. be asked of that. Let's quickly go to another call. Linda in Greenside. Hi. Hi, Rebekhile. I think we must also take cognizance of the fact that we've had COVID. Lots of people have worked from home. And now the men are starting to go back to work. But it's almost like we're going to have this silent epidemic of women that are stuck at home, still cleaning, still looking after children, still doing a full day's job because maybe the company's downscaled or maybe they can't afford to re-employ a helper or whatever the situation is, I think we're going to find that we've actually gone backwards in this fight with these last two years, not forward. Mm. Have you you actually heard, Linda, about the number of divorces that have happened because women felt that their, their partners were not coming to the table in the time that they were locked down at home with their husbands? A lot of that has happened. I think the stress of COVID has also worsened it. And I think, you know, people... And, and then, of course, there's the whole situation of where, you know, men just don't uh, accept that that you've also had a full day's work. No. Mm-hmm. And I think, yes, because you've been home, because it's been stressed, people have contemplated divorce. And I think that is what's happening. Mm. And so then that mother's forced to stay at home. And it's just the company because they've got less employees in Marcos. Mm. Linda and Greenside. Pina, your thoughts? COVID has really showed us how unequal we are as a society. And I think it's during COVID lockdown where we saw just how dire the situation of women is. You know, with, with all the abuse that women were facing in the home. When you look at uh, statistics, I'll, I'll draw again from the statistics that were released by uh, the Minister of Police. You know, we know that 
of all the sexual violence that happens, the most is domestic violence. So again, it's women who find themselves in, in the hands of men who know nothing about, uh, you know, respecting their women's rights, but because how uh, society gives them the right and the privilege, and, and I, I'm very clear why I'm saying society gives them the right and privilege, you know, it, it enables this behavior. They, they, they go and violate the women's rights and to the point where they know that there's impunity, they will not be uh, dealt with. Socially, they are not dealt with. A justice system does not deal with men decisively because, again, decision makers are men, you know, making decisions about women and making uh, women feel that they are second-class citizens of this country. So you will find that there's opposition from all ends each time you want to address the issue of women. And COVID just made all of us realize how bad the situation is. Mm. And we need to move beyond talking about it, but we need to get to a point where we now start, because we've been creating awareness, we now start to hold people accountable. My argument that I always make is that in in terms of violence, where women are in abusive relationships, the system should, there must be a radical shift. You know, we must change the order. Instead of moving the woman from the home and take them to a shelter, remove the man who abuses this woman mm-hmm. and let him go to a shelter where they treat, they teach him, you know, how to treat a woman, how to treat a child. That way we get rid of this entitlement that I can abuse you and I can violate you, but I will still have my own comfort staying in the home uh, that is, is ours while you go and stay in a shelter and your whole life is reordered. So mm. my advocate is that in such instances, let us change the order. When there's an abuse happening in the home, don't remove the child, don't remove the mother, don't remove the woman, remove the men. Mm. Take them to that institution where they can be taught and rehabilitated. And maybe that will shift things. Because right now, we are, we are continuing to problematize women. You are the one who's abused, but we remove you. Mm-hmm. We make you uncomfortable. We continue to victimize you. While the person who's abusing you continues living in the comfort of the home. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Um, uh, I do recall the question that uh, the callers were asking. The one was asking about chivalry and toxic femininity. Oh, yes. So to say that some men, yes. So um, it actually came from um, one of um, the listeners who sent an email to say they want advice. They tried to open the door for someone and she basically got upset with them um, saying, am I incapable of opening the door for myself? And he said, as a man, I'm stuck. I don't know what I should be doing because I was raised to do things a certain way. So communication is key. Let's say we are in a relationship. You are a man, I'm a woman. We need to communicate about the rules of engagement of our relationship. Don't come with assumptions. Don't, it's, it's the same as able-bodied people and how they treat uh, persons with disability. We make a lot of assumptions that they can't do it for themselves, therefore let me do it. You know. But if you communicate and ask, you will know that maybe opening the door for me doesn't mean anything. I can open the door. Mm. So don't offer something that I'm able to do for myself. But you can only establish that if you and I, in a relationship, communicate about the rules of engagement. If someone else 
whom you were in a relationship with previously prefers for a door to, op- to be open for them, that's that relationship and its rules of engagement. But don't bring and transfer whatever that you think you were taught that it applies across the board. Mm. And that, that is important to know because it's those things that create tension. I'm able to open the door for myself. I'm able to change the globe for myself in the house. If I ask, then assist me. Mm. But if I don't ask, don't assume because I'm a woman, I can't do it. Or because you are a man, you can show me, you know, that you can do it better than me. It's not even a competition. And therefore, I, I think they create problems for themselves by making these assumptions. And if, if we are to talk about the anger of women, I feel women are justified in their anger. Mm. You know, if you look at everything that is happening, you know, uh, to women, that is happening around women, it justifies the anger. And it doesn't mean anger should, you know, should result in, in, in uh, toxicity. Mm. It, it means we can acknowledge that we are angry and we can communicate our anger. It, it, it's the same as because you slept me, I'm going to slap you. Violence doesn't solve violence, mm. right? So we need to find better ways of engaging with one another and better ways of dealing with each other. But women's anger is justified because look around, look at how women are being treated. Mm. Probably look in your own relationship, how you treat a woman, and mm. you'll understand why they are angry. All right, we've got Dumi in Ranfontein. Hi, Dumi. Greetings, greetings and good day. Mm, go ahead, Dumi. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, can we can. Uh, I have a comment now. This is what I want to say. I'm listening to the callers, and I, I, you know, my heart is so heartbroken when I listen to what you go through. Eh? Uh, are you still there? Yes, we're listening. Yes, we're listening. Okay, this is what I want to say. Many people have become intelli- intelligent, intellectual, but very few are wise to understand. You know, uh, like, uh, like what I called earlier, this is what's happening. Most women and most men have become constitutional and political. A man is, is, is born a leader. A man is born the head. And a man is born superior. It is that way. It will never change. Women will always want equality, and it will never be. Constitutionally and politically so, it will, it will be. And when we require women to end the same as men and women to come to same position and CEO as men, women were given a position. This is what I want to say. I want to make myself as an example. Okay? I am the head of my own house. And I'm the CEO of my own company. It is in me for me to have that. It can be in every woman. But why is this a problem today? I agree with the, the last caller. Most men are no longer leading. They are no longer in leadership. Any man who, who's threatened by the entrance of a woman is a man who lost his position as a leader. That's what it is. Dumi, can, I, can I ask you something? I just want to understand you were saying that men are superior what makes men superior okay is your radio on to me okay let me do it this way yeah, you can hear me now right yes okay so when you say men are superior what do you mean okay physically so eh? in, in, intellectually so and by our dna i don't want to bring christianity into what how, how is okay what is it based on at least explain to me what is it based on that men are superior to women Okay, this is what it is. Unfortunately, this is the bad part and the worst part. We are living in a world that doesn't want to acknowledge 
the greatness of God, whereby we are talking about other things. We're talking about constitution, we're talking about politics. Let me put it this way as I'm concluding. A man does not report to his wife. I heard your caller talk about communication. The greatest way of men out of any challenge is when a man understands his position. And who gave men that position? It's simply God gave men that position. So, so the, the basis. So, so the basis. So the basis, if I understand you correctly, of men being superior to women is biblical. Is that the no, basis not, of your no, argument? No, it's not biblical. It's godly. It's godly. Okay. So you can you can understand then why it can't be a factor in our conversation because not everybody believes in God. Yeah. Now, I want to conclude by saying the world has become intelligent and constitutional and political. Therefore, the debate of any, of any sort, even if you can go to people in parliament, is going to be a waste of time. Because until we, we men understand our position of leadership and practice leadership not by beating women, but by being a ruler in your own house or in any sector of life, it, it can never be. Do me, do me, you, do me, you lost me, you lost me at ruler because it sounds like you're contradicting yourself. Pina, I don't know what you, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this debate is always going to get emotional and again, I, I, I keep saying men feel like we are fighting men. We are not men hating. We are not fighting men. We are fighting a system that makes men believe that they are the hate. You know, and and so I I happen to be a person who believes in God and who reads the Bible. And I'm very clear that I understand that through creation, it tells us in Genesis uh, that God created man in his image and he created male and female equally. It even says equally he created them, male and female. So who are we to oppose? The very same thing that we say we believe in when it's very clear the first thing we are introduced to when we are introduced to God and creation is that he created men and women equally so. And he gave them dominion over his own creation, not over each other. So I don't know where then we started creating the hierarchy that then the man is the head and the woman. And they can quote Paul. You know, it's, it's, it's a debate for another day where we, we, we can bring... Pina, I'm actually going to ask you now that I've got you here. Oh, is it okay for us to have a part two for this conversation? Because I'm concerned we didn't cover enough things. And I want us to quickly take a caller before we go. Nomzamo, go ahead. Hi, Reliable Hile and your guest. I am infuriated by what Utuni has said. <laughs> actually, I feel that you should have a part two. And um, what I have to say is going to take longer. But just to summarize, firstly, um, if men are born superior at school, that's not what we are taught. And we learn from the same um, textbook. We are held by the same um, standards, even in our tests and exams. I, in my own right, am a leader. You cannot just be, um, you know, um, just because of the gender that you are and then just be given leadership. No, it doesn't work like that. As a woman, as 
a girl child. I was born with leadership. I had to lead myself at school. I had to lead. Nomzamo, I'm going to have to leave it there. I'm a leader in, in my own right. I'm going to have to leave it there because we've run out of time. The lines are going crazy. I see all your WhatsApps. I think this conversation is going to deserve a part two. Pina, can I commit that next time this week you're going to be with us? We need a part two. Definitely, let's do part two. All right. Pina gender activist and CEO of the Soul City Institute for Social Justice, where we are talking masterclass on feminism.